This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 228, and I have another return guest this week. It is Ashok Gupta. Uh, Now, you might remember I quite recently had Ashok on the show, actually, back in November 2020, because I had started to become interested in brain retraining from a more practical um, perspective i.e. I know that the energy shifts that can come from meditations, specific styles of meditations can absolutely uh, um, tap into our neuroplastic brains. Um, But something about Ashok's work very specifically targeted towards chronic illness really caught my eye and got me researching um, because of my own challenges uh, with a very, uh, as one can only describe, um, a nervous system that lives with PTSD, so post-traumatic stress disorder, meaning the uh, impact of mold illness uh, at its worst on me nearly five years ago now. Um, has meant that my immune system and nervous system kind of come out to fight with all the big fire trucks, uh, even when there isn't anything specifically or particularly dangerous. Uh, they just freak out and see a little bit of mold in a jam jar, even though I might consciously be going, oh, well, I won't be eating that. Um, it will be enough for my nervous system to say, hold on. This girl's going to die. And then a swing and flood of all sorts of different crazy symptoms come that I did not wish upon myself. I did not consciously choose to get anxious. It really is almost an independent fighter on my behalf. And so once I kind of realized that about my own responses, um, I wanted to figure out how to trip the switch, how to change this, how to retrain my brain quite literally to no longer feel like it needs to be on high alert, saving my life all the time. So uh, that's how I came across the Gupta program um, through various chat groups and and people doing this work and, and looking into the mental health and resilience building piece uh, of chronic illness recovery. And, um, and so I had him on the show and he was wonderful. It was fantastic to actually look at those more basic aspects of, um, uh, neurology, neuroplasticity, really help everybody understand, uh, what different parts of our brain are and do like the amygdala, for example. And so if you haven't listened to that first show, you don't have to have listened to it to get lots of great stuff out of today's show, but I do want to let you know that it's there so that you can head back and have a listen, because I think 
especially if you enjoy today's show, then you will absolutely uh, want more and, uh, and then to know that you've got it is great. So show number 213 was our first one and Ashok is back with me today. And the reason I have him back is because now that I've been doing his Gupta program myself, Uh, I do not sell things that I don't know work for sure. And it has been extremely helpful so far to me. I'm only part the way there, but um, I've really noticed some big differences. And I now have some incredible tools in those SOS moments to change my brain, like to literally change my brain and um, pop my nervous system to bed and say, come on, you don't need to be out now. I'm fine, Uh, which is really quite extraordinary. So I wanted to have Ashok back on the show to dive into his program a little bit more. Um, And while he can't uh, share specific aspects or step you through some of the exercises in the program, because taken out of context, you're just not going to have the same effect as when you do it in all the very specific ordered ways that uh, Ashok has put it together over the years and refined it as more and more people have done it. Um, That's very important. But we do talk about some really interesting aspects to doing this work, to chronic illness, to uh, helping people, especially people around you if you are the chronic illness sufferer, to helping people understand the difference between it's all in your mind uh, versus no, no, this is really happening. These symptoms are very real, but what we can do is retrain the brain when we are out of danger um, to ensure that it stops freaking out on our behalf. I just say that because that to me just helps everybody understand what it's doing. Uh, so we talk about that. We talk about female cycles and how they impact brain retraining. We also, um, Ashok shares this fantastic exercise that we do towards the end of the show um, that anyone can use at any time to change a response that you do not enjoy having to a particular situation. So it could be anything from, gosh, I wish I didn't get so riled up when someone cut in front of me in the traffic, or um, I was getting really flustered about the incessant drilling uh, during um, the recording of the last couple of podcasts that I've done. Don't worry, I put myself on mute while the guest is talking so you don't hear it. Um, but, uh, it was really starting to affect me. And then just after doing this exercise, I had a whole new take on it. So, uh, I think, uh, you'll get tons out of this, whether or not you're interested in doing the program. But if you are, we have a brilliant community discount. Thanks to Ashok. Very, very generous. It's $50 US off the uh, cost of the program, which is an annual, um, subscription, but he, really guides people into saying six months should be what you commit to. So you may well not need to renew at all. Um, And uh, um, that is all detailed on the show notes for you. So to find the show notes, you go to lotoxlife.com forward slash podcast, and then you click on today's show with Ashok and you'll have all the details for that discount for our community there. You can, of course, also just sign up for the free 28 day access, but it's not access to the full program or any of the exercises within the program for the same reason that I said before, taken out of context, 
um, and without all the lectures that lead up to each little exercise um, that gets added into the fold, uh, you're not going to have the same results. It's been designed in a very specific way. So you get more sort of um, a few great lectures and chats um, from Ashok around um, brain retraining and neuroplasticity, uh, a wonderful alternate nostril breathing and a couple of um, different bits and pieces just to give you an idea. It's always nice to sort of think, oh, yeah, I could work with this guy. He's nice and, and I get a good vibe and I want to do that program. But um, please don't use that uh, portion of what you get in that free space as an indication of what's in the program. The program is huge. There are so many lectures um, just broken down into short 10, 12-minute snippets and then great exercises. There's a ton of meditations in the library. Uh, you have um, really uh, wonderful explanations of how to do the work uh, each morning. It doesn't take that long. Uh, that's the good news. And then some really fantastic strategies uh, something called an accelerator, which I just love, um, to really dig into some of the symptoms that keep coming back that, uh, essentially your nervous system producing a stress response when it doesn't need to anymore. Uh, so that's really, really exciting. Um, part of the program, I certainly think anyway. So I just wanted to kind of give you a bit of an explanation as to why Ashok's back. Uh, it's because I've been doing his program for a couple of months now. I had more questions. I know people in the community had some questions. A couple of us are doing the program, um, a couple of fellow Lotox club members, which you can join anytime. Uh, join the club is just under explore on the lotoxlife.com um, website in the explore tab. You can join us um, because we can then chat about these sorts of things um, on a more personal level. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. And I just felt we needed to do another show on this. We needed to get more people in there. I get so many people message me, uh, email me, um, talking about their chronic illnesses or, you know, when I post about doing, um, my tennis coaching, you guys know I'm a nutter for tennis. Um, people saying, oh gosh, I could only dream of doing such a thing. I was like that too, once upon a time and not too distant past either. Um, and really doing this work, I have found, I've started to be far fitter, far more lung capacity, far calmer, far more able to return to a state of calm. If I uh, deviate from that, it really is quite amazing to start being, feeling a bit more in control again. And I can only imagine that's going to increase as time goes on and the work that I put into this, uh, increases day after day. So Hopefully that's piqued your curiosity for today's show. Uh, Ashok started his Gupta program because he had a very personal uh, brush with chronic illness himself, uh, completely flawed, and he tells the story today, uh, and had chronic fatigue syndrome. So initially he wrote this program for that, but over the years he's found that people with electro-hypersensitivity have been supported through his program, uh, multiple chemical sensitivity, mold illness, 
uh, and uh, so forth. So um, fibromyalgia, it's, it's really starting to prove very useful for a wide group of people who just haven't seemed to have gotten the help nor improvement nor answers that they would expect or hope for um, after a long time of suffering. So here is to a new chapter for anyone out there who feels they need one. Uh, I know I did and I was very grateful to come across his work when I did. Uh, So you now also have a little final reminder from me because this is the last week that the Walida offer is uh, open to you guys uh, for their incredible deal that they've given the community to celebrate their 100th birthday. Uh, Walida founded on biodynamic principles 100 years ago this year, uh, co-founded by Rudolf Steiner. has always been about regeneration, always been about uh, farming holistically. And holistically means caring for everything that is a part of that whole farm. So that means the people who are working on that farm and their well-being. It means the soil. It means everything that's inside the soil, that delicate microbiome uh, uh, and uh, fungi balance, a microbe and fungi balance, sorry, not microbiome, that's our guts. Um, And uh, of course, animals, uh, anything that is a part of the agricultural system is deeply cared for, respected and appreciated for its role within the circle of life. And uh, they aren't content with simply Uh, farming and uh, getting the biggest yields possible to make the cheapest, um, most profitable products, they're far more concerned with actually building everything up that they touch, that they work with, the people they collaborate with, local communities, uh, soil health initiatives, carbon sequestration initiatives through regenerative agriculture, and on and on we go. And, of course, founded on the medicinal um, principles There is a huge amount of importance placed on when things are harvested to be their most active and therefore to be able to provide you with super high quality, high performance products uh, that really just aren't that expensive because there's an incredible intelligence in how things are optimized and maximized at the farming level. So some of my favorite products, uh, gosh, I could go on for days. I really do like quite a few things in the range, but I have to say, because this is a part of your offer as well, skin food, uh, valued at $25.95 for the the 75 mil um, Australian dollars. This is an Aussie offer is a cult classic. It's nearly a hundred years itself. It was founded in nine, it was launched in 1926. Um, and so, uh, that is definitely by far and away something I would never, ever be without. I really love the pomegranate firming serum. It's an oil-based serum, extremely moisturizing, wonderful to put on at night, either alone or with a moisturizer. Um, but it really makes a difference. Hey, some fantastic plant-based oils that have been used in conjunction with each other to provide different forms of hydration at different levels of the skin surface. 
um, and be and beyond the surface to really deeply hydrate the skin and then a whole bunch of fabulous plant actives that help firm the skin uh, so I'm a big fan of that one love the smoothing rose face cream as a light summer moisturizer I know we're coming into autumn winter now um, and now that I'm in my mid-40s that's probably not rich enough for me for the winter but absolutely gorgeous for the summer still um, I love the evening primrose oil eye cream that is delicious and very, very soothing and uh, um, just seems to kind of make everything look a little softer under the eyes. Let's just say I love the rosemary hair tonic. I put that in often when I've got wet sort of sweaty hair after tennis anyway um, and give it a little massage uh, and leave it in and wash a little bit later. Um, that's fantastic. Rosemary is one of the chief plant extracts for hair health. So if anyone's experiencing hair loss or dullness, um, uh, it's just a, it's a wonder product for those sorts of uh, concerns. Um, we love the Arnica massage oil when I can convince my hubby to give me a massage. That's what I use. Um, and what else can I say? Uh, probably the, um, uh, what the, what is that beautiful? Oh yeah. It's the almond face cleanser. It's so soothing and beautiful. It's in a, a pink metal tube. It is just amazing. Really gets off all of those nitty gritties on the face, even when you've been wearing makeup and, um, leaves your skin just feeling baby smooth. I personally don't feel the need for much more than a couple of drops of an oil based serum, um, at the end of my day for a routine. Um, if I use that cleanser. So there you go. That's a bit of a wrap of my faves. So your discount Australians is Walida 100. Time is running out because we are at the end of March now. And you just hop onto the Walida website, uh, walida.com.au and you pop Walida 100 in as your code, which will work to give you 15% off provided you have selected full priced products. And then if your order is over $100, then you'll also get a tube of uh, the 75ml skin food. So it's a super, super generous offer this month. Thank you, Walida, for being our show supporters this month. And uh, I can't wait to see what everybody gets and enjoys. So enjoy that offer. And now let's hook into this conversation with Ashok Gupta, digging deeper into what it means to retrain the brain, why we might do that, how we might do that, and who might need this. Enjoy. Hello, Ashok. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Alex. How are you? I am really well and very happy to have two Guptas on the program this month, two wonderful gents making things better for people with chronic illness, actually. Dr. Sandeep Gupta, who's our foremost physician in mould uh, recovery from water damage buildings and yourself you take care of the mind while Sandeep takes care of the physical so yeah. uh, I, I know Sandeep very well in fact we've done, we did a webinar together and, yes uh, you did webinar, I saw that yeah <laughs> the webinar was called the Gupta Empire Strikes Back <laughs> <laughs> nice he managed to get a little dad joke in there bless <laughs> um so I'm, I'm very passionate about uh, having you back on the show uh, because since our first chat, I have actually been doing the Gupta program mm -hmm. and it has been quite revelatory, I have to say. Uh, 
Uh, I'm still very much within my six-month journey of, that you say give six months and I don't do my exercises every single day, I will admit, um, but your incredible ability to uh, foster a lack of self-judgment through this process means that you're far more likely to just get back to it a couple of days later when you can and the crazy's over and yada yada then oh gosh I've fallen off the wagon yeah I failed and put another program to the side um so well done in the way that you um structure this and in the way you provide so much encouragement and support throughout um, but the reason I wanted to have you back quite specifically was a couple of times that I've shared um, my progress on the tennis court on Instagram because I'm very passionate about tennis Tennis was something I could not play, certainly not singles, four years ago in the height of mold illness. Um, and now I'm giving my coach a run for his money and he's a 27-year-old Argentinian and I'm 45. So I'm feeling quite excited by my progress. Um, but it's not just the technical performance progress of the tennis. It's the fact that my mitochondria are now playing ball with me again uh, and my amygdala <laughs> is signalling properly and um, I feel like I have the energy to get out there and I can breathe even when I'm puffed. And uh, it's um, I've shared that a couple of times on Instagram and I can't tell you how many people have replied to those Insta stories saying, Thank you for giving me hope. Um, gosh, I could only dream of playing tennis again. I have CFS, I, you know, and sharing some really uh, intensely challenging stories in chronic illness uh, privately with me. And I just keep thinking, well, one of the key things has been me doing your program. And when we first spoke, I spoke as a curious person, having absolutely no idea about your program, um, certainly understanding neuroplasticity, having done some Joe Dispenza work over the years, of course. But um, I think the way you hold people's hands so practically through that six months is really something I hadn't seen before. And I attribute it to my latest boosts in uh, healing for sure. And so I thought you have to come back on the show because we need to give this hope to way more people, not just hope, but like, let's get on with it, people, and make a start. Um, so I'm shamelessly plugging your program today. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you a few more questions from where we left off in our first chat. So for anyone out there who hasn't listened, as I said in the intro, please make a point of heading back in time a couple of months to the first time Ashok was on the show so that you get a broader understanding of what it is uh, we, um, we're doing with this work. So um, for the people who don't want to hang up now and don't want to go back to the first show just yet, can you give us a little bit of a 101 recap on your personal experience how it led you to create or study neuroplasticity and then go on to create the Gupta program. <clears throat> yes, I'd love to, Alex. So um, the starting point is that 25 years ago, I was studying at uh, Cambridge University and I uh, contracted uh, some kind of stomach bug when I visited mm -hmm. India. And I came back and I thought, oh, the stomach bug will go, it'll be fine. And yet it continued and it continued and it turned into... ME and chronic fatigue syndrome and as you can imagine 
as a young person, suddenly brick wall. Mm. Don't know where my life is going. People telling me I'm going to be ill for the rest of my life. Uh, I'm having to crawl to the bathroom. I can't even uh, do basic stuff. I open a book, try to read it, but I literally can't read the book. I mean, that kind of level of symptoms mm. being uh, housebound some of the time as well. And that spurred a quest for me to say, right, I really want to understand what causes these unexplained conditions that doctors mm. can't treat. They don't even understand what causes them. Mm. And such and little help with the treatment side of things as well. Yes. Mm. Yes, exactly. And I made a promise to myself in that moment, if I manage to figure this out and get myself better, mm -hmm. I'm going to commit the rest of my life to helping as many people as possible. So it was like a, the contract I made with the universe. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And, and, I, and I really then dove straight into it. I studied brain neurology. I studied physiology. I studied um, so many different alternative and complementary type techniques. And I came up with a hypothesis based on the brain neurology of emotion, especially the work of Professor Joseph Ledoux. Mm -hmm. I then published a medical paper online in 1999. And then um, in a medical hypothesis journal in 2002 mm -hmm. and then set a clinic to treat other patients so what i managed to do was use that understanding retrain my brain and get myself 100 better so then i got 100 better and i've been 100 better since that particular time and as i said i then set up a clinic to treat others and we published our therapies once i felt ready to publish them online uh, as a dvd program in 2007 um, and then we just revamped our entire program in 2019. And the new program we've got is, we feel even more powerful, even more comprehensive, and now covers a broader range of conditions because we started off with the MECFS and fibromyalgia space, but now we're getting successes with so many different connected conditions. Mm, it's incredible. And you didn't expect a whole bunch of other conditions to come on board, so to speak, did you? Uh, no, because at that time, um, that was my focus was people mm. with those quite more heavy chronic illnesses, which were symptoms in the body rather than being triggered by something external. But yeah. then we found that a lot of those CFS and fibromyalgia patients also had mold illness or also mm. had POTS or, or also had some kind of chemical sensitivity. So we started realizing that there were connections between these different conditions. Mm. And actually, do we say that someone has CFS with mold or does mm. someone have mold with CFS? Mm. And it's because these conditions are being defined by the collections of symptoms which people experience rather than the underlying cause. So the underlying cause in the brain neurology of that is very similar across all of these different chronic conditions, but the ultimate syndrome or collection of symptoms is, is what is different. Mm -hmm. And the underlying cause is? So in my hypothesis, what I believe is that our systems are designed to protect us from dangers and pass on our genes to the next generation. So we are survival machines. Literally. And, yeah. Uh, you know, when we were living according to our evolution, you're living outdoors, getting lots of exercise, fresh organic food is how we used to eat. Um, these kind of chronic conditions didn't necessarily exist. Mm. Suddenly, fast forward to the last couple of hundred years. We take people from those situations, stick them in dark boxes, i.e. Mm -hmm. our homes, mm -hmm. uh, stick them in front of a laptop for most of the day or generally sedentary lifestyles and um, feed them food that's full of artificial products and mm. uh, whatever and e-numbers and expect people 
to, to just, thrive. <laughs> yeah, to thrive and be well and, and be fun and a bit of pollution yeah. them as mm. well. And actually what then happens is our system becomes more sensitive and prone mm. to what we call defensive reactions. Mm-hmm. So those are protective reactions. So the brain's not doing it because it does it for fun or wants to annoy us, but it's because it believes that those are good protective responses. And so what happens is at some point in our lives, when we're undergoing some kind of anxiety or stress or oh, we've overdone it mentally, physically, emotionally, our brain is quite vulnerable. And then mm-hmm. along comes a trigger. So it could be exposure to mold or an electrical field, um, or it could be a pain syndrome that generalizes in the case of fibromyalgia, or it could be an infection, uh, bacterial or viral infection in the case Mm -hmm. of NCFS and long haul COVID, which we're now successfully treating. So external trigger comes along and normally we fight off that trigger, Mm -hmm. exposure to mold, the chemical, and our system comes back to balance. Mm. But in these situations, the brain becomes traumatized because it thinks I'm stressed out. And we know in psychoneuroimmunology, when the system's stressed out, its immune system is compromised and it can't fight off things as effectively. Mm-hmm. So then the immune system goes into this hyperarousal state. It works really hard to push away that virus or infection or chemical and only just manages to do so. And in that moment, a legacy has been left in the brain, which is, I must now trigger these defense reactions, the immune system, the nervous system, the endocrine systems. I must trigger these anytime there's something that reminds me of that first event. Mm -hmm. Why people can get mold illness on a particular year or whatever. And then after that, even mild exposures to mold or a toxin can trigger this response which is out of kilter with that particular trigger and then Mm -hmm. it generalizes so suddenly we're sensitive to mold and chemicals and electrical fields and people and stress and because the brain gets into this hypersensitized state Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's the underlying part of the hypothesis that the brain um, errs on the side of caution it wants to protect us it wants us to survive it cares more about that than us feeling healthy Mm -hmm. so there's this constant background immunological response which keeps us ill and keeps over responding to the slightest trigger which reminds the brain that something could be wrong yeah to send out the fire trucks yeah Yeah. Mm. and anything that's in our body so even the symptoms in our bodies can become conditioned triggers so pain in the body tells the brain we're still in danger there's something wrong Mm. maybe the infection is still here trigger the response Mm -hmm. yeah And so we get caught in vicious loops and vicious cycles where the body is responding to the brain, the brain responding to the body and so on and so on, which is why these illnesses then become chronic. Mm. And for me, it's perfectly logical explanation. Nothing's going wrong. It's just the brain has got stuck, like a software system gets stuck on our computers and we phone up IT support, spend 20 minutes in the call center and they say, please reboot your computer. (laughs) You think, well, anyone can tell me that. But it's brain retraining is about rebooting the computer and getting rid of those software bugs, which keeps crashing the system. Mm. Brilliantly, um, brilliantly summarised and 100% what I was heading towards when I first discovered your work. I was like, I feel like I am in PTSD and my immune system and nervous system have started acting ruthlessly on my behalf without checking in on me first about whether I actually feel that that's 
a trigger. Um, they're just deciding it is for me. And I was really feeling like I was very disconnected from those two systems in my body um, and that they had become my chief communications team and I no longer had a say in the matter. And it's deeply troubling when you experience that for a number of years, which most people do who come to then end up trying to find a solution because they've been told there aren't any for so long. Yes, and it's, yeah. it's very, uh, you know, unsettling when we then get told by doctors and support groups, there's no cure. There's nothing mm. you can do about it. The only way you can get well is to rest and wait for a medic medicine to come along or go and isolate yourself in the middle of the Arizona desert. And that's the mm. only way that you're going to ever be healthy, you know, yeah. which is so disempowering. Mm. I actually considered that at one point, to be clear. Yeah. 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 And uh, that reinforces the training in the brain. So the moment that we tell the brain, right, the only way of handling the situation is to remove it from our system and yeah. our, our environment, the brain, it reinforces to the brain that this protection mechanism is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I must continue to do it, which mm -hmm. is why when people go on food exclusion diets, for instance, what happens is in a, for a lot of our patients that they've been told that these are the foods that are causing your symptoms. They exclude those foods. And then when they have minor bits of those foods again, the reaction is even stronger. Mm -hmm. And suddenly the number of foods that they can eat shrinks yeah. because you're reinforcing to that intelligence in the brain that these foods are all dangerous and they're the cause of my challenges. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I must avoid more and more and more of them. Yeah. So we don't reinforce these condition responses either. So powerful. Um, so I... I know we spoke back in early December, I think it was, and uh, I, I wanted to um, talk a little bit more in detail about the process. So um, how do we, st uh, this is something I'm very interested in uh, you explaining to us, how do we start to feel within ourselves that we can fully hold space for how terrible we feel at that present moment i.e. it's not in our heads and we're not hypochondriacs uh, and all of that stuff, which is, I think, really important for us to feel like we can just acknowledge how bad we feel, but at the same time healing and designing a new brain and believing that we can be healthy and happy. Because I think in the darkest moments, it's quite hard to start to turn that corner. What do you feel can allow for that to, to those two beliefs to exist at the same time, if you, if you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. So the starting point of any healing, any change, any transformation in life is the first step is acceptance. Mm -hmm. Such an important word and a misunderstood word. Mm. If we are resisting where we are right now, then it's difficult to hold space for transformation. If we're saying, oh God, this feels so awful. I wish it would go away. Look how bad I feel. Those are perfectly understandable reactions and responses to illness and chronic illness. But at the same time, they disempower us because they make us feel a victim of the condition. And um, we resist what's happening. And that resistance doubles the stimulation of the nervous system and the immune system, because it reinforces to the brain that we're in danger. Yeah. And so 
obviously what we're saying is we're not saying that this is in the mind. Let's be very clear. These illnesses are not in the mind, but I do believe they're in the unconscious brain. Two very, very different things. And so these are real physical illnesses with real physical symptoms. And we can acknowledge that. But then the awareness and acknowledgement leads to acceptance. That I accept that I am where I am right now. This is here. And if I can begin to feel okay with that right now, that spurs transformation. Because the word acceptance gets confused with this idea of it's okay for it to be here. Yeah. Actually, what acceptance is, is a deep emotional acceptance that it is here and fighting it isn't going to help. Actually, I accept. And from that place of acceptance, I choose a new path. Because if the mind is full of worries and negativities and focus on where we are right now, you can't open yourself up to a new possibility. And anyone who's ever opened a new business or started a new relationship or healed themselves from chronic illness, Mm. you are opening yourself up to a new possibility, a new vision. It reminds me of that Aladdin song, a whole new world. You remind (laughs) yourself that there is a whole new world that you can experience that you can't think about or conceive of right now. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And so how relevant is the emotion of fear in all of this? And how, how do we start to actually unpack how big a role it plays in developing a belief that we can be healthy and happy again? Uh, yes, and the word fear has traditionally been associated with psychological conditions or psychological responses. And so if you go to a hospital, there's a separate psychology department, separate immunology department, etc. So we've separated these things. And so fear traditionally belongs to the psychology department and the other departments don't talk about it. But as far as the brain and the body is concerned, there's one system, which is the defense system, which is why it's fear is often called the fight or flight response. It is not a psychological response purely per se. It is an overall defensive response. So when we talk about fear in the unconscious brain, I'd like to, in terms of chronic illness, I'd like to reframe it as defensive and protective responses, which is what fear is. So fight or flight or freeze says, right, there's a wild tiger running towards me. I can freeze so that he doesn't see me um, or I can fight So that's the anger response. So when we fight somebody, how do we feel? We suddenly get a rush of blood to the head and we want to fight. That's a physiological defensive protection response. So blood goes to the muscles to make us stronger. Or we flight, which is to run away. So then the blood goes to our limbs and we can run away faster. But these are physiological defensive responses. And the immune system is part of that. So when we say fear... I want people to be very clear that we're not saying somebody is afraid of mold or afraid of that chemical. Your unconscious brain that you have no control over initially is creating survival defensive and protective responses to keep you alive. And then that shifts the whole narrative away from, oh, well, is it in my mind? Am I afraid to actually, uh, this is about retraining physiological responses. This is uh, the the brain retraining as it were. Mm, So beautifully put. Yes. Uh, reducing psychological fear is always useful in any condition that we experience and the antidote to fear is acceptance Mm, beautiful um now when we're undertaking the uh the journey of healing the nervous system uh and starting to accept and move um through 
this retraining of the loop in our brain. I've heard you say that a million times now over the last three months. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I'm actually just trying to, I think the reason I'm, I'm not expressing myself well is I've gone into the script of the, one of the exercises in the program, you can relax and let go, you know, all of that fantastic stuff and so, so helpful. Um, something I've noticed is it's not necessarily going to be smooth sailing. And I don't know if you remember that meme. It, it's like a, um, a depiction of um, how I thought my life would go and it's just a nice little kind of line going up and how my life is going and it's a person's brain but it's all like scribble and, yeah. uh, and it goes all over the place. And I think retraining, uh, certainly in my experience, certainly in the first month, has been like that. You think, oh my gosh, I've just had a breakthrough. And then just kind of take a couple of steps back and then you go forward. And I'd also love to talk about why it's specifically different for women too, because I think that's a great little nerd out. Um, But Mm. it's not a linear journey, is it? No. Mm. And, you know, our resilience in our journey towards health is our ability to deal with our disappointments. Mm. So when we're retraining the brain, we will get improvements as most of our patients do. And then suddenly there'll be a dip. Now we don't call them relapses. So that's a very loaded word. So we call them little dips. Yeah. Yeah. We'll say in those little dips, all that's happened is you haven't wasted all the retraining that you've done. Absolutely not. You've created those new neuronal networks. But for whatever reason, the amygdala and the insular and these hyperactive brain structures have suddenly overreacted mm-hmm. and they've overwhelmed the brain which has triggered the immune system and nervous system and caused symptoms to come back. Mm. That temporary overwhelm, you haven't lost the retraining. Just go back to the retraining and reinforce those neural networks, those, that rewiring that you're doing, and your body will gradually come back to the place that it was. Mm. Uh, and so that is, it is disappointing. Of course it's disappointing, but it's the ability to not see it as a disappointment, yeah. but instead as an opportunity. Right, there's a bit more retraining to do. That's why I've had this dip. Agree. Uh, yeah. Reframe it in a positive way, um, then it becomes an everything's an opportunity. Our challenges become an opportunity. Mm. Um, that helps us through the dips and carries us forward. It does. And so, women have the added. Uh, let's not call it a challenge. The added uh, variation because we have a cycle and our hormones. Uh, you know, at certain points in the cycle, histamine levels go up, estrogen levels plummet. You know, there's a lot of things happening that can affect uh, inflammatory markers, uh, just even in tiny amounts. But I've definitely noticed I make my greatest strides at certain points in my month. And over the months, they have carried me to fewer and smaller dips, if that makes sense. So what's happening in women that creates a bit of an ebb and flow in this work? Around the cycle, as Mm. you've said, there are many different neurotransmitter changes, hormonal changes, et cetera. And because the body is in a more sensitive state, those shifts and changes, um, whatever retraining you're doing, those shifts and changes can uh, foresee uh, some increase in symptoms temporarily, or finding it more difficult in terms of mood, more difficult to motivate with retraining. You know, it can be a whole range of different effects that it has. Mm. And in that moment, we go through that process of floating. Mm. You say to yourself, right, okay, 
it's because of my cycle and that's okay. These few days, what I want to do is float through. Yeah. So rather than, oh God, it's all back. Oh God, what's going on? Mm, exactly. Relax the whole body and just float through that experience. So you say, okay, I'm going to glide and float through yeah. these few days with grace and not get too stuck on what's going on right now because this is perfectly normal and natural and most of our patients when they reach 80 to 100 percent recovery or certainly when they've developed a good strong recovery then those dips around the cycle also reduce and mm. then are no different to the average woman yeah i've definitely um, noticed i'm headed that way which i feel excited about and but i think What's brilliant is you actually talk about it in the program in one of your lectures. There are tons of fantastic little 10 to 15 minute snippets um, throughout the modules that you just get to know yourself and why this is happening to you better and better. And when you do that, acceptance is much easier. And when you accept, obviously fear diminishes. And when fear diminishes, so do these signals to send in the fire trucks on behalf of your body and ramp up all the symptoms again so it's um it's super well done uh ashok i'm I'm really think you don't leave anyone guessing you know and often if i hadn't have had that snippet where you talk about females and dips in the cycle the first kind of time i got to day 25 i might have started going oh well it's not working is it you know here i am again um, and, but, you know, so that's, I think that's really important that people develop a really sound knowledge of the basics as they move through. So they're not panicked by when the unexpected happens, but notice the unexpected. And it's like, oh, actually that's completely normal. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Understanding uh, really cultivates commitment. Mm. That's the key thing. So the reason we spend a lot of time going through the hypothesis and helping people understand why they're experiencing what they're experiencing is then people, once they have that understanding, they think, okay, now this makes sense. Mm. I'm prepared to now commit. Mm-hmm. And what does commitment mean? Commitment means my feelings will go up and down day to day. Oh, do I feel like retraining today? Oh, I don't. Okay, I won't do it. That's not going to help health. The commitment is no matter how I feel, I keep doing the retraining because that's what will guide me towards health Mm. so the understanding point is uh you know it's so incredibly uh important otherwise as you say you're never fully going to commit to something you don't really understand or don't really fully commit uh, believe in Mm. yeah you have like almost a suspicion around or something like that Mm. and i have found uh you know there are just a couple of exercises you have to do every day it doesn't take over your whole life even um, especially if you're not so sick to the point where you're in bed and really able to give all of your hours to it. Uh, if someone's thinking, gosh, but, you know, I've still got work or I've got family to deal with. Um, the other day I realised I'd gotten to the end of the day um, we're going through a few things at the moment, some unexpected house moving. So it's it's not the smoothest, most roots down time of my life. Uh, and the days look a bit different sometimes. But I was in the shower. I thought, oh, crap, I haven't done my retraining. Uh, and so I literally just did three rounds of it in the shower and it was done. Um, just so I got back in touch with that um, retraining before going to bed. And so there were... There are, once you really understand it and you're really comfortable, something that I found is you become more creative about how you can make it all fit um, with life, especially as you get better and better 
and you're able to do more things. Um, I wanted to ask you about this as well, actually. Um, uh, quite often when we get better, we often think, oh, well, I might not need that anymore. So why do you say six months? Keep going. Yeah, it's the complacency that can creep in. Mm. Once we're feeling 70, 80% better, we think, oh, I've done it. You know, I've, I've got over this. Hooray. Yes, and because you felt so crap, 70 yeah. to 80% better feels like you're on top of the world. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And what we say is that imagine you've got some sands and you've got two pathways in the sand and the river is going through the sand. So it digs a path along the left-hand path. Yeah. And you are diverting the water towards the right-hand path. Yeah, mm -hmm. like rivers change their tributaries and all, um, and that's what happens in nature. Mm -hmm. Now, once you've covered over the left-hand path and now the water is going along the right-hand path, let's say. The left-hand path, the soil or the sand is still a bit soft. So it, it's still sensitive, the nervous system is still sensitive. So it can be easy for the water to suddenly find its way along the left-hand path again mm. and to come back. So we're not, uh, you know, Pollyanna in our attitude of, well, yeah, once you've got better, you're going to be, that's it, you've done great, brilliant. We're very realistic to say these, will, these symptoms can come back. So ongoing maintenance is so important. So you mm. keep retraining until you get to that 100% recovery or 90 to 100% recovery. And don't become complacent because this, the nervous system is sensitive for a little while, quite mm. a while. And, and even after six months. I would suggest people don't have to do the whole program, but still keep up the maintenance, like maintaining your garden, right? You've trimmed the lawn, you've cut the flowers, you've made it all look nice, but it needs ongoing maintenance going forward. Absolutely. And isn't one of the big lessons really that we shouldn't be aiming to go back to normal because quite often the normal of what we were like before we were sick was one of the factors that contributed to uh, the illness in the first place. Yes, we focus on people getting well and staying well. Mm. And to, to stay well, we've got to avoid the circumstances which brought on the condition in the first place. Yeah. And often people become more aware of some of their stress patterns, their reactions to life, the anxieties, which prime our nervous system to learning these new condition responses to chemicals and mold and fibromyalgia. So we want to make sure that people understand the deeper lessons of these conditions. Mm. So a very abstract way of looking at this is that every illness that we experience operates at many different layers. So at the physical layer, that's where mainstream medicine looks at physical illness. We treat the body like a car, things mm. go wrong in different parts of the car and we fix them. Yeah. yeah. But illnesses, every illness also has an emotional layer, a mental and emotional layer, uh, which we, you know, in psychoneuroimmunology, we're moving more towards deeper understandings of that. Mm. But conditions also have, dare I say it, a spiritual layer. Yeah? And that spiritual layer is what is the deeper messaging or the deeper learning behind this condition? Yeah. And that's unique for each person, but often it's about self-love. Mm. Have I really um, pushed myself as an achiever to do this and do that? Did I ever neglect my health? Did I ever uh, not feel I needed to take rest sometimes mm. in my life? Or am I a safety seeker where I've lived life in this kind of siege mentality of worrying about 
the dangers in the world and then held myself back. Mm. And we see that kind of uh, protective response often sometimes contributing to these types of sensitivity reactions as well. Mm. So once we have that deeper understanding, we then also begin to heal that because then we see that the illness was an eye-opener. And the example that we give, as you, as you know, is the idea of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Yeah. The caterpillar, it has a certain personality, a certain way of being. And the illness comes along that we experience, which is the caterpillar going into the cocoon. Mm-hmm. And in that cocoon, the caterpillar needs to transform in order to be able to escape the cocoon. Mm. And in that transformation, it sometimes can be a little painful. The illness is that transformation to say, look at who you were and who do you choose to be? And that's changes in terms of our lifestyle, in terms of our mindset, and in terms of obviously how we treat chronic illness internally. And then as we come out of the cocoon, uh, a butterfly strengthens its wings by struggling out of the cocoon. So as we gradually strengthen our wings of resilience and centeredness and positivity and belief in our recovery, that strengthens the wings so the butterfly can finally emerge with those strong wings and fly for the rest of its life. Mm. Beautiful. So when we treat yeah. conditions as a transformative, transmuting that old energy into new energy, then we no longer resist that condition. There's a deeper understanding. And you know, many people at a metaphysical, metaphysical level are realizing that transformations can happen when we treat illness in this way. Mm, absolutely. And it, it reminded me of something else I wanted to ask you, uh, which is this crazy human condition so many of us have uh, where we would like the idea of feeling better, but gosh, this week's crazy deadline is huge and I've just got to get this in or um, yes, that's all well and good for you to tell me I could be better, but you don't have three children under seven or, you know, all these excuses we make that actually Mm. confirm (laughs) (laughs) that we are going to stay right here and unwell. Um, How do you suggest we start to change that story? If if someone is actually listening to this and thinking, oh, my gosh, I always make excuses for why now's not the perfect time to jump in and do a program like this. Um, It always reminds me of a story um, about sharpening your saw. I don't know if you've heard this story. So there's a, a woodsman and he's cutting down the trees. And eventually his saw becomes blunt. And someone says to him, look, you need to sharpen the saw. He said, I don't have time for that. I've got all these trees to cut down. I've got deadlines. <laughs> so he never sharpens a saw. And so in the same way, when we realize that when we prioritize our self-care and our health, it pays itself back twofold or threefold. So we all know those days when we're stuck in the office and we've had a bad night's sleep. Our productivity is so low, right? Our concentration levels are lower. Our physical abilities are lower. We're just more sluggish. But when we prioritize our health, sharpen the saw, then we become more productive, more effective, make better decisions. We're happier, healthier people to be around, right? Um, And so that's one way of looking at it for the achievers, which is, Prioritize this and everything else in life becomes easier and better. And then secondly, realize that self-love is the core component of uh, living healthy, happy lives. Because we are giving ourselves the opportunity to recognize that we are important. Our health is important. 
rather than being lost in the world. And if we're lost in the world, we're putting all those excuses first to say, I've got to do the washing, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And we're ne neglecting ourselves. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a form of self-love and it's incredibly important. And finally, we've got to stop thinking that we're invincible. So we think we're super woman or super mom or super dad or whatever it may be, and we can do all of these things and we can neglect our health. But then more serious things can happen. So prioritizing health is not just for ourselves, it's for our families, it's for the people around us. Yeah? It's the idea of when you're on the plane and they say, put your own oxygen mask on before you help others. Yeah? In the same way, all of these things are incredibly important. I can't emphasize it enough. And when you use these types of programs and you heal and you feel stronger and better and healthier, it's such a wonderful feeling that you want to hold on to that feeling. Yeah. yeah. So absolutely. Let go of life's excuses as to why you're not prioritizing your health. Jump into your own health. And at some level, what's connected to that for some people is a fear of failure. That, okay, I might do all of that, but maybe it's not going to work. I had so that for a little bit. Yep, I'm going to admit yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, mm. it's, it's very common. It's a form of procrastination that we put things off because actually we don't know how to do it or if we're afraid of doing it. We're afraid we're going to fail. So that's the same thing with this program. We can feel like I can put all that effort in, but what happens if it doesn't work? And the brain comes up with a strategy, which is, well, to avoid that feeling of failure, Let's just not bother doing it in the first place. Ah, <laughs> oh, humans, aren't we special? <laughs> yeah, gosh. Um, okay, so uh, hopefully the message is loud and clear then. And it's tough because you're also struggling. Often people in, in chronic illness land are struggling with the fact that they have tried 10 billion different things that haven't worked. Um, but chances are, and I'd say the chance is pretty high that you haven't tried brain retraining because often we go to the matter solutions, uh, as mm -hmm. Dr. Joe calls it, like the things that like take the pill or, you know, see another specialist or, you know, we do these very tangible, oh, because that looks like I'm checking something off my list. But, you know, working on our brains seems intangible, it seems we seem to, we're not often not tuned in uh, enough to, to trust that that might be an avenue that'll bring us really deep healing. Uh, so uh, I uh, hear that, but at the same time, I say, no, <laughs> don't use that as another excuse. Yeah. And just to, there's a reason behind that because mm. modern medicine is about what is it that we can observe and measure? Yes. So we can observe and measure hormones and enzymes and all of these other things physically in the body. We can scan the body. Mm. But the brain has always been a black box. And so medicine has said, well, we don't we can't see what's going on in here. So we'll figure out all the stuff down here in the body. And in the last 20 years or so, we've been able to, uh, you know, with technology, really peer deeply into the brain. But still, it's a bit of a black box. We don't fully know what's going on. Mm. Um, and it's recognizing that the brain is the head of the nervous system it is the uh the master controller of everything going on in your body yeah. it's the intelligence it's the software mm. so medicine traditionally has been a discipline that treats the hardware and uh, i don't know about you but you know when my car goes wrong now it's not anything generally wrong with the physical components of the car it's often the electrical system of the yes car. yeah it goes wrong and so in the same way 
we are now at the dawn of a new medicine, which is that kind of what I call electrobiological medicine, which is looking at the electrical signaling from the brain and realizing that that signaling and that software often is at the root cause of so many different conditions. Mm. Um, as an example, um, our even in uh, COVID, COVID-19, people who are passing away from COVID-19 have got cytokine storms mm. where the brain is messaging the body and the lungs to become hyperinflamed in order to uh, protect from that particular virus. Yeah? Yeah. So we know that that's, that electrical signaling and messaging is at the core root cause of why people are passing away. And if we could control that messaging, now at the moment they're trying to use obviously various drugs and chemicals to control the inflammation at the physiological level. But what happens if we could control it from the brain itself, from the master that's the controlling master switch. the master switch? So this is this idea that we've got to move away from this very reductionist philosophy, Cartesian philosophy of the body is like a car and we fix little bits mm. and go back to uh, the holistic approach uh, yeah. to, the, to the body and to healing. Without wanting to get uh, controversial, Ashok, and please don't answer if you don't feel you want to, but it is something that um, upsets me that we can't arrive at a place where we fully acknowledge that the need to develop uh, vaccines or that wearing a mask is generally better than to not during a, a virus that's harming our elderly and uh, weaker populations through illness and uh, obesity, et cetera. Um, you know, I don't ever debate that those things are necessary parts of the modern health conversation, especially when there is a pandemic. But why are we being censored for mentioning the importance of vitamin D or brain retraining or all these useful tools? Have you had conversations with colleagues, uh, health professionals, public health officials in any of your travels where you know, people are actually trying to figure out how to create space for both because it's leaving a huge part of the population who acknowledge this more modern out-of-the-box approach to preventative and healing um, out of the conversation. And when people feel left out of the conversation, they rile up. And I understand why they rile up. I completely understand that. But at the same time, you know, I, I just don't feel like we need to quell anybody here because um, why can't we make space for both? It is definitely an with and <laughs> rather than an or. Yes, exactly. We can have mainstream medicine and all the protections and the positive things that they contribute. And at the same time, that's why it's called complementary. Mm. The complementary approaches can support that. And yeah. both work really, really well together. Mm. And um, I think that things are changing. Yes, I think that there are a lot of forward-thinking doctors where things are changing. And there's also a clamor from patients themselves mm. when they see their general practitioner. Um, you know, it's not enough that, right, have five minutes and you just give me this. They, they, want, they want to ask, what else can I do to actually yeah. support this, especially with conditions like diabetes, for instance, which mm. yeah, there's plenty of things people can do to actually support uh, healing and recovery from that now that we're finding. Yeah. And I think we are going to see a sea change in medicine where what's now going to happen is apps are going to be prescribed. So rather than prescribing a medicine, you prescribe an app or a program mm -hmm. that has been shown holistically to have a positive impact. Yeah. So I think things are gradually changing, especially when we see that populations are getting sicker. Yeah. Uh, more medicines are being prescribed. So how does that, what does that tell us about the way we've structured 
healthcare, that mm. 99% of the spend goes on the sickness industry, which is treating the illness. 1% goes on preventative healthcare. Mm. We can shift that around. You know, I'll give you a silly, not a silly example, an amazing example, meditation. Yeah. Now, we know from so many studies, and especially this amazing study that Harvard did five years ago, that when you teach people how to meditate or relax the nervous system for just 20 minutes a day, 20, mm. 25 minutes, it reduces their usage of medical facilities by 42%. <laughs> Why isn't this in the government politician uh, campaign ads? I mean, yeah. you know, that's a pretty bold way to reduce federal costs, isn't it, really? Absolutely. I mean, mm. it is unethical for mainstream medicine not to be incorporating this mm. when the evidence base is so powerful and so strong. And I don't know if you've seen that study, but I'd love to send you that study. Yes, please. Um, I'll check it in the show notes. Yeah, that would be great. Mm. 42% reduction. Mm. Now, if there was a pill... That would be the miracle pill of the 21st <laughs> century, and it would be prescribed to every person on this planet. And some shares and skyrocket, yeah, billions from it. But because you can't make billions from meditation, mm. guess what? Nobody's promoting it. Mm. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So these types of interventions, when they've been proven to that deeper level, and that that study was done on uh, 5,000 people in the active group and then 20,000 as a control. So mm. this is a huge mm. study, absolutely definitive. Things like that, if we can get that into the modern conversation, that we do not treat our health where we wait to go wrong and the doctor fixes it. That is a broken system. It's not fit mm. for purpose. Instead, we prevent things from going wrong in the first place mm. through diet, through exercise, through meditation, through all of these other avenues. Healthy and not homes. Only that, yeah. Healthy homes. And not only that, that reduces the overall health spend of a society, mm -hmm. which actually has a monetary benefit to us. There's more money back in our pockets mm. when we need this type of healthier lifestyle. It's then we'd more... actually deserve the tax cuts. <laughs> yeah, probably, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it just amazes me. If you look at the healthcare costs, like in the UK, healthcare is about 8% of the spend of GDP. Mm. In the US, it's 20%. Yeah, it's One crazy. in is spent on healthcare. Yet the healthcare outcomes of the US are not that much different to the UK. Mm. And in fact, are now poorer as the population becomes more obese and more unhealthy. Um, they're getting worse outcomes, yet spending 20% of their GDP. That's just, yeah. just mental. Sensical. No, thank you for going down that tangent because I think we need to focus on having a bit of hope in that space and, um, and continuing to champion such great uh, um, interventions and complementary interventions that support modern medicine where we can all have a seat at the table. Yeah. Um, now, well, I, uh, sorry. sorry just, just to add to that, I just wanted to add that also um, it's about where the research has been focused. So mm, generally yeah. research is focused on where people can make money. Mm. And now more and more enlightened, I suppose, research houses and uh, universities are researching complementary and alternative approaches. Mm -hmm. And we just, for instance, in the Gupta program, we managed to get a study just published, a randomized controlled trial on our treatment for fibromyalgia. And it showed- oh, brilliant. Yeah, so um, we had two groups of patients. One group took relaxation techniques and one group took the Gupta program. Mm -hmm. And we followed them for a number of months. And essentially in the control group, there was no difference in the fibromyalgia scores. But in the Gupta program group, there was a close to a 40% reduction in fibro scores within eight wow. weeks. Wow, within eight, eight weeks. weeks. Within eight weeks. And we're yeah. a six-month program, so that mm. would be much better for six months. 
And on top of that, there was a halving of anxiety, a halving of depression, a halving of pain, and a 50% increase in um, quality of life mm. just after eight weeks, but very little in the control group. Now that was a pilot study, it was 41 patients, but we're now looking to get uh, basically funding to do a large scale trial. Brilliant, but if we're good luck. Language as the mainstream medical profession, and they can see these results and more money is poured into that, then there's no argument, it's a coming together. Okay, we are going to use the methods that you prescribe to test these protocols and you see the evidence base and therefore feel comfortable in prescribing it to your patients. And so there's a synergy and there's a working together rather than seeing them as pulled apart. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I don't want to finish our interview today without a little taste of what brain retraining can do. Now, I know you are passionate about keeping everything that is in the Gupta program in the order in which it's presented within the program, not because you want to be secretive or stingy uh, and not share it with people, but because it is actually a really very um, intricately thought out system. So we, we're not going to jump into anything specific in there, um, but you have a little exercise for us that anyone can do in their day-to-day. Uh, yes. So one of the things that we really find tricky is when thoughts get stuck in the head, right? So let's say someone's insulted us or something went bad at work, right? And what happens? We obsess mm. and we think about that again and again. So that person's called, called as an idiot, let's say. But they called as an idiot in our heads like 500 times because we've replayed it again and again. And we can't seem to stop that stream of thoughts. Yep. Now, there are many techniques in order to be able to uh, control that. So in mindfulness, we talk about the ability to observe what's going on for you right now and observe those thoughts and let them go. Yeah. So that you're not getting attached to them and trying to change them. And that can be a little tricky sometimes for, for beginners. So we have a little brain retraining technique here that we call the new groove technique. And we call it the new groove technique because it's literally rewiring a new groove in your brain as long as you repeat it a number of times. Okay. So this technique can be used anytime you've got uh, a negative thought that keeps going around in your head or a negative emotion that keeps going around that you can't seem to resolve. And we call these sticky thoughts. And it's called a new groove technique. So the first, it's got four parts to it. And each part begins with a letter S. So the first part is stop. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean saying out loud stop or saying in your head stop. It could be anything that interrupts that pattern of thought. So you could mm -hmm. laugh out loud or suddenly shake your body or whatever it is that breaks you out of that compulsive thinking. Yeah. So you might say stop. The second S is surrender. Now, what that means is that uh, what we've noticed over years of research is when people think of surrendering and letting go and accepting and letting go of that emotion or that thought pattern, it's a very powerful way of interrupting it. So you just think of your representation of love. Yeah? So if you're religious, that could be Jesus or Buddha or Krishna. Or if you're not religious, that could be a beautiful nature scene, or it could be your partner or your pet, someone that you feel loved by and reassured and connected to. So the first S is a stop. You then take a deep breath in and smile. And as you breathe out, imagine breathing out that thought or that emotion to your representation of love that is full of love and can absorb any of your negativity and makes you feel calm and reassured. Okay. So those first two steps often are powerful enough to be able to let go of compulsive thinking. You might have to repeat those steps a few times to just really let go. 
The third S is shift perspective. And what that means is we often have a repetitive stuck thought because our perspective is stuck. So going back to the example, someone's called as an idiot, right? Now we've surrendered it to our representation of love and said, right, take this away from me. I let it go. I, I choose to not hang on to this, but let it go. And I feel reassured. The third S is my original perspective is oh, what, how could that person say that? They're a bad person. Look how they made me feel. What's wrong with them? Right. So we in that righteous indignation and feeling so justified in our anger and in our pain about what they said. But sometimes shifting perspective is saying, could I look at this in a different way? Aha, actually, maybe that person is just having a really bad day. Yeah. When I have a bad day, I often lash out at people. I can't even control my own mind. What makes me think I, they can control their mind or I can <laughs> control them? So yeah. maybe they're having a bad day, right? Um, or maybe actually this is a good test for me. It's a strengthener. How well can I stay calm and centered when these types of situations happen in my life? Yeah. So it's a, an opportunity for growth and a strengthener for me. Mm. Yeah. Um, or it could be actually, because they called me an idiot, I'm blaming them for the way that they act and how could they do that? But let me just take a step back and look inwards and just reflect. Is there some feedback on what I'm saying or doing? Yeah. Is there something that I can learn from that interaction as to why they said that in that particular way? And so what we then do is we release ourselves from the grip of that anger or that fear or that emotion because we've shifted perspective and looked at it in a different way. And people, when they do that, they think, wow, that's miraculous. I feel, I feel different <laughs> in a different way. It's called reframing. Mm. The fourth S is substitute. So now you've reframed it. We need to put a new energy into the body. So then we imagine a color rising through our body that represents something good and positive. And then we imagine the opposite of the original thought. So if it's, oh God, that person called me an idiot. Oh God, I can't believe they said that. Instead, we say an affirmation like, I am calm and relaxed about the situation. Yeah, I've let go of the fact they called me an idiot. I don't mind, I don't care. Mm. It doesn't work. And we imagine what that feels like in our body. Because it's one thing to have an affirmation, something completely different to actually feel it. Mm. And the only purpose of an affirmation is to the extent that it enables you to feel that feeling. Yeah. Otherwise, it's words. So then we imagine, yes. you know, so rather than, oh, I don't care. I, I've let go of that situation. I'm happy and relaxed about it. <laughs> I'm looking at you because I can see Ashok as we're recording this and everything about your body language says, no, you haven't. <laughs> you haven't let go of anything. <laughs> it's, oh, still, uh, yeah. Yeah. it's just words. But then people always say, but I don't know how to. And I say, but imagine if you could, how would that feel? Mm. So we use a beautiful mechanism in the brain to help us move in a direction which is the power of imagination our whole brain works on the power and possibility i go back to that that song a whole new world <laughs> we're gonna keep having that in our head what's the whole new world that we want song. To mm -hmm. it's a beautiful song um so then we say imagine if i felt calm and relaxed about the situation how would that feel how would my body feel how would my mind feel if i completely accepted it and let it go and not let them bother me oh i'd feel like this Okay, let me really reinforce that feeling. Mm. And people miraculously think, wow, I, I feel different. Yeah. yeah? And, I, and, I, and they say, oh, but I've just had the negative thought again. I said, go through the four S's again. Mm. So in that pattern, 
take a deep breath in. In fact, let's do it together let's, now. Why let's actually do it. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to put yeah, myself on mute because there's someone drilling up the street. So right, that, way every, that way you've everyone can focus. You've got something to do the 4S technique on then, haven't you? Yeah, I do. Exactly. <laughs> Don't ruin my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. So I'd like everyone to close their eyes because that removes the external distraction. And I'd like us to think of something that's bothering us today. It could be a negative interaction we had with somebody, or it could be something where we're not feeling fulfilled. Just look, everyone's got something that's bothering them today, I'm sure. So think of that thing that's bothering you, that's on your mind today or in the last week or so. And bring it up. And then in your mind, just say stop. Take a deep breath in from your stomach, a big energizing breath in. Smile. And now breathe out that emotion, imagining a representation of love standing in front of you and absorbing it and healing it and taking it away from you. And once again, if you have any remnants of that feeling, take another deep breath in. Smile and breathe it out to your representation of love with a smile and imagine your connection with that figure or that person, or whatever represents love to you. So you're feeling a bit more calm and relaxed. Then you go to the third S, shift perspective. Now think about what happened or what's bothering you. And think to yourself, what new perspective could I take on this situation that would help me to feel differently about it? And there are global perspective shifts such as this situation is for my growth. Then whatever has happened, you can look at it in a positive way, which this is helping me grow. This is helping me become stronger. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> um, or perhaps I can um, look at the situation with more compassion for the other person. Or perhaps I can look at the situation in a more positive light. Yeah. So have a think about what new perspective you can take on the situation right now. with a smile. Keeping your eyes closed. Hopefully you found a new perspective and if you didn't, you can practice after the show. And then the fourth S is to think of some affirmations which really sum up your new way of being and say them out loud if you can or then in your mind that summarize how you choose to feel about this person or this situation or this thing that's bothering you how do you want to feel about it what's more a more empowering experience about it or helps you feel more positive and happy about it so you take a big energizing breath in and imagine your whole body feeling some positive energy in it, take a deep breath in, smile and breathe out. And as you breathe out, say your affirmation out loud or in your mind. I feel I am, whatever affirmation helps. And keeping your eyes closed, you said the affirmation but this time we're going to say it again, 
And then we imagine if we had fully embraced this new affirmation or new way of being, how would the body feel? How would your mind feel? What kind of positive thoughts and images would you have in your head? If you truly embraced and imagined embracing this new way of being. So think of your positive affirmation, your positive statement, like I am, I feel. And take a deep breath in. Smile. And then as you breathe out, say the affirmation with a smile and imagine it. Imagine you truly embraced it, how that would feel. Hold on to those good feelings and that positive affirmation and the good positive energy in your body. Feeling good with a smile. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Thank you, that was great. Um, because there's um, digging up, they're digging up McClay Street, Potts Point, one of our um, well-known inner city streets. And they're doing so to uh, put a whole bunch more nature, beautiful big planter boxes, put more trees, um, really bring nature back to the street. And, uh, and so where I went in that beautiful uh, exercise was Maclay Street is named after my seven times grandfather, Alexander Maclay, who was a Brit who came out but also went back to England. He was an entomologist who got who had the largest butterfly and uh, insect collection. He was fascinated by nature. And uh, he was brought out here to be a member of the New South Wales Legislative Council, um, but really was not made for politics at all. He was a dreamer, he was a, a nature lover, and he, he, um, he went back to the UK after about 20 years. And... Um, he, uh, he, he also didn't really approve of colonisation, but that was not something he was able to talk about very widely at the time. Um, but what I actually imagined was I feel happy in the thought of my ancestor seeing them bring back nature. And then I started seeing like butterflies and it was just the most beautiful trip. So I went from, damn it, I wish that drilling would stop. It's ruining my podcast to, oh, isn't this just lovely? <laughs> and it's amazing. That's the power of such an exercise. I think if you put these tools in your kit, you've got them to access them whenever you want. Yes, exactly. Mm. And all it's doing is embracing what is so right now. Mm. So normally we have a resistance to what is so right now and therefore mm. not in the present moment. These exercises all facilitate our ability to be at peace with what is so right now. Mm. So we hear about this in mindfulness, don't we? Acceptance, yeah. so letting go and being in the present moment. And yet we all, if we're honest with ourselves, find it really tricky mm. because something happens and we get stuck in it. Well, that's why we so need we, to keep talking about it and practicing it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so these two exercises are designed to facilitate a deeper state of mindfulness and 
being at peace with what is so in our lives right now. Mm, beautiful. Ashok, thank you so much for today. Uh, I think uh, so many people keep commenting, oh, you know, you're getting better. What an inspiration. I can only dream. And I'm like, guys, there is actually a tool out there. So please, everyone, head to the show notes. Uh, Ashok, you've so generously, you and your team have given us $50 off the program. And by all means, sign up for the free 28 days. But I can tell you what, the 28 days could have sort of helps you decide more kind of if you're ready to um, to go through this really. But the program itself, once it's unlocked, is entirely apart. It is you go into so much depth, depth. There is so much support content, incredible array of different meditations and uh, the exercises that you guide us through. Um, I, I can't recommend it enough. So thank you for the work that you do. I'm a very happy student and uh, I'm going on month three. So uh, I'm nearly halfway there. Great. No, Alex, it's wonderful uh, that you're getting to experience it and obviously share that uh, with, with your followers. And, and uh, you know, yeah, we really hope people get an opportunity to try it. And as you know, we've got that promise that until we get a phase three trial, mm-hmm. we'll offer a one year money back guarantee on the program as well. So people got nothing to lose by you know, our aim is just to get people better. That's really what this is about. Yeah, and uh, and you can feel it every step of the way. So thank you, and it's been a pleasure having you back. Thank you so much, Alex. I'd love to see you again soon. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview, and I want to remind you that you can come join me on social on Instagram at Lotox Life or one word, or my personal Instagram. Uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life uh, and, of course, lotoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a Lotox Life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Lotox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about $29.30 US about 27 euro and about 25 pounds you get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private facebook community so check out the website lotoxlife.com hit the explore tab and you'll see join the lotox club as your very first option there i hope to see you in there if not i will see you in our wider community sometime soon thanks again for tuning in